there. This is Cassia. And this is Coden. Welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast where we discuss Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic as well as everything Star Wars. Today we are joined by the Star Wars Doctrine team and we'll all be discussing the Clone Wars series finale as well as season 7 and answering some of your viewer questions. This is episode 2187 and this is where the opposite of fun begins. got star wars doctrine with us do you guys want to talk to us a little bit about you guys yeah so cody and i we run star wars doctrine which is i guess just a star wars fan page that we started a couple years ago now and we wanted to have a place for star wars discussions that's a huge part of what we're about is having fun star wars discussions on our page and that kind of just bled into other things with us having uh this our own podcast that we do where we just kind of discuss various points of star wars some reviews that we even do you know about different aspects of star wars we we even do star wars video games because we love playing them and might as well hang out with other fans of the star wars video game franchises so we stream on twitch as well but we just kind of do a little bit of everything all about star wars just trying to promote a fun place to discuss and hang out and enjoy star wars yeah so you can find us uh, our page on facebook instagram youtube twitter twitter technically twitch. twitch yeah we're we're all over the place really just google um yeah what what got us into it uh was just a, a good discussion with some friends about actually forced ghosts and it was just a really engaging fun discussion and obviously we love talking nerdy and and all of that stuff but we were just like you know this is this is a lot of fun we should create a place so we're, we're big fans of you, and we're just happy it, that the stars aligned and we can discuss Clone Wars. So first we had some follower questions, and our first question comes from Star Wars Central underscore IG. They ask, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Do you want to take this away, Star Wars Doctrine team? Uh, my personal favorite, it it's always been Empire Strikes Back. Growing up, that was the one I watched the most. I used to do these breathing treatments when I was a kid and and I kind of sounded like Darth Vader when I do it so I always liked watching Empire and that's the one where Vader wins so it was always like just the most epic to me because I was you know kind of voting for Darth Vader and he's been my favorite character ever since um but I also have a, a really soft spot in my heart for Rogue One because I just love that Imperial era so that one's really comes close I think as far as as my favorite when I started watching Star Wars, I think my favorite was A New Hope. But as I got older, I liked Empire a bit more. Mainly just because of, I guess, how I've matured and been able to understand more of like the deeper side of Star Wars. And being able to appreciate some of the ideas like talked about in Empire Strikes Back. I think of all the different Star Wars movies, both A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back are both really strong. For me... It's probably a tie between Revenge of the Sith, because we're recording on Revenge of the Fifth. So I, I think I, I feel more love, you know, for episode three because of that. But for me, it's, it's kind of like a, it's like kind of a coin flip between Revenge of the Sith and Empire Strikes Back. Because I just think Revenge of the Sith is just the pinnacle of the prequels and it's kind of like a tragedy it's kind of like the fall of rome the fall of a hero and i'm just kind of into that and empire strikes back is probably some of the deepest star wars you have and there's a lot of like the hero's journey and kim billion thought in there so i'm a fan of that i have to say that growing up with the like the prequel trilogy i really I really loved those years of like speculating what was going to happen next that would tie in the prequels to the regular trilogy and sort of knowing 
what that tie was going to be to make Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader, but still having that pre-knowledge of, well, what what is this Clone Wars that Obi-Wan's talking about? And Darth Vader is like this, and Obi-Wan is like this. How could they started being friends in the first place? And just watch that develop. I thought for those those Star Wars years growing up, I thought were really strong. Yeah, and I think it's hard not to say Empire's, you know, definitely one of your favorites. Right. And and growing up there's just so much to it. Um it's a it's a cool movie. It's the first time we get a really fun lightsaber fight scene. Um Obi-Wan's probably isn't the the best. Right. <laughs> the most exciting. <laughs> but um it's still it was a fun lightsaber fight scene. Seeing Luke train was cool and I Empire was a really fun movie, though. I do think a huge part of me sides with like Return of the Jedi because growing up, Luke was our Jedi. You know, that was that was the guy you wanted to to win. That he was the cool guy, and he comes up and job was palace all like full fledged yeah. Jedi knight. So that was really cool for me is watching Luke be the hero finally after that progress. So Return of the Jedi was probably one of probably my favorite between Empire and Jedi. It's just kind of like you have the story of like a father and son, but it's like you hear like the end with the son first and then the beginning with the father. And, and I guess the sequels kind of continue on, but it's just an interesting way of forming a story. Then we have a second question from Star Wars Central underscore IG. What potential Star Wars movie would you like to see the most? Um, yeah, as, as far as that's a hard one, but I think I was a big fan of the solo movie, even though it maybe didn't perform the best at the box office. I, I still really enjoyed it. I thought that the acting was 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 well done and and there was just it was just a fun Star Wars adventure, a little different than what we were used to. And I once again, I love the Imperial era, so I, I just love getting to explore that more. The underground side of things and getting to see Maul in there, and I liked Kira's character. It was just, I would like to see where that goes next, because I feel like we got left on such a cool cliffhanger with that, you know, and it saddens me to know that they may not continue that story. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that that would be a, a fun thing to do. Uh, now I know Disney's shied away from that, but maybe even if it was form of like a Disney plus series or something, I would just love to see that continued on live action, you know, TV screen be awesome. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's probably my number one choice. Yeah. And I think what we've talked about, I mean, you, me and you, when we've talked about the idea of, you know, make solo to happen or just after watching solo is yeah. we're like, you know, it'd be really cool if solo as awesome as he is if it focused maybe on more on like lando or even like we didn't know who tobias beckett was but like tobias beckett and i think it would be interesting if we make a solo too but it's not following solo and chewy because i think honestly their story's less exciting now now that we kind of know their origin so like yeah we maintaining know what happens next with them exactly of. yeah so maintaining that era maybe going what did lando do for a couple years awesome. we know he makes an appearance in rebels but like Kind of continuing the story of Crimson Dawn, I guess, would be really interesting to me. So I, I actually did like the solo films as well, or the solo film. I like all the books, too. They have the solo trilogy of the books. And the movie kind of briefly moves across all three of those books, just kind of the main points. And so that story, I feel like, is covered for the most part. But they do leave the movie open-ended to talk of maybe a little bit more of what led between Kira leaving Solo behind and the events of that led up to Han working for Jabba the Hutt. I think that would be a cool film. But I think for me, if I were to see a Star Wars film, I would love to see more of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And the, so not, not like, not total Old Republic, but just kind of the before the Clone Wars took over the Jedi Council? For me, I mean, obviously I, I would want to see an old Republic film, but I would actually just like to be surprised. I would just maybe not want something like from any time period we've seen on film before and just see if I like it, you know? So that's that's the kind of film I would I would most want to see. And hopefully I would I would like it. Um what about what about like the High Republic stuff? You know, we've seen a, there's a lot of excitement around the High Republic, those novels. They've said it's just going to be a novel. 
kind of thing at first, but it, maybe if they're successful with that and people really enjoy the stories, that could be an era that gets tapped into a little bit. And I think that's a fun era just because it gives them the ability to create their own characters and their own stories and set it in a something familiar but new and undiscovered, you know? Yeah, one thing that we brought up when we talked about the High Republic is that it's a time where the Sith are kind of in the back burner and there's a there's a book series that's Jedi Apprentice that talks about the Obi-Wan Qui-Gon story but there's a lot of there's a lot of discussions in that book of kind of what the High Republic story would have revolved around where the Jedi were used as as like localized peacekeepers where there were Jedi Sentinels that were in charge of helping with the local governments and every once in a while a knight or a or a master and apprentice would be shipped out from Coruscant to a planet to provide additional aid towards stabilizing a particular region and then they would like come and report back and so i think the high republic and that pre clone wars era does have a lot of really cool and unique stories that can be told and yeah that would be a that'd be kind of a great place to explore and visit StarWars.Lores asks, should they do an Old Republic series and create a Star Wars cinematic universe? What do you guys think, uh, Logan and Cody? So, I mean, about the about the Star Wars cinematic universe, I think Star Wars has something very different. Is There's not really a cinematic universe. Star Wars is the universe. It's very, I mean, kind of have legends versus canon now, but the canon universe is books magazines not magazines but books comics tv shows shows, movies everything and these things are are canon they make up this universe so star wars doesn't need a quote-unquote cinematic universe because star wars has already been so well tied in together Um, yeah and you don't want to lose that yeah you don't need like to spin it off into something else i think but i do understand or kind of like the idea of having a older public series because we do need to dive into the older public a little bit i mean you can't leave that era alone it's too cool I do have the concern, and I think we've mentioned this, like, it would be hard for me to see someone like Revan on screen or Darth Bane or some of these characters who we've grown to love through their now legend stories and see it portrayed differently on screen. Like, that could be kind of hard to, <laughs> kind of hard to take, especially, you know, I mean, it's hard when someone touches your favorite character because, you know, they could be your favorite character for this reason and then change that about them. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly uh, about both those points and uh, the older public. Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely something that needs to be explored. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney is a little nervous to do that only because yeah, you know, like you said, we, we have these characters that we love from legends. And if you're going to risk doing that, you're going to risk making people upset. Right. Mm-hmm. And obviously they don't want that. So yeah, touching someone like Revan, touching someone like Bane, you know, would be very difficult. But I do like the idea if they were going to do it to do it in a Disney Plus series opposed to a movie, I think. Sometimes people might not like certain interpretations of a character, but it kind of reminds me, in 2003, there was like a micro-series of the Clone Wars, and then in 2008, we end up getting a new version of the Clone Wars. And it's like, for some people, that like is too big of a disconnect. But I kind of see it as like... Clone Wars, uh, the series that took off in 2008, earned its stripes and kind of incorporated the parts from the original series, 2003, that it could. I mean, maybe not the Grievous of the 2003 series, but if you make a good story, I think you'll win people over in the end. What made the Marvel Cinematic Universe so strong was that there was always this in-the-background villain that they would always come back to. And would tease this idea that there was going to be this massive conflict that was upcoming. And in the Star Wars universe, right now, that the only person that fits that bill is Emperor Palpatine. And to have a, a major cinematic universe revolve around Emperor Palpatine, that's kind of an idea that's come and gone. And so it, it wouldn't mean as much to continue releasing content around Emperor Palpatine as the as this major conflict coming, and I think that the High Republic is in a really strong spot because this is technically 
for the most part, unexplored territory that they can tell a lot of really great stories. But I like kind of what was brought up earlier where there's there's a lot of great opportunity for TV shows and kind of smaller scale stories to be told in the Star Wars universe. And it doesn't need to come mimic that formula that the Marvel Cinematic Universe used. Yeah. In my personal opinion, I kind of like keeping the Star Wars and the Marvel flavors distinct. Because in some ways, some of the parts I didn't like as much from some of the newer Star Wars, it seemed like Disney was trying to make Star Wars a little bit more like Marvel just because it's kind of like tried and true. People buy that a lot, but I think if you do that, it kind of undercuts Star Wars a bit. So, and I think Star Wars has been like one of the biggest, if it's not still the biggest fandoms in in the world and it's made like it's been it's generated a lot of income i don't think you need uh star wars to duplicate anything that marvel's doing because it, it kind of stands on its own as a saga and like with its anthology films but one thought i had is i've always kind of mentioned like they could do like a trilogy based on kotor and then maybe like have like an animated cartoon that would fill in the gaps that you can't really cover in a movie. Because when you play KOTOR or KOTOR 2, there's lots of side quests other than the main quest. So I think like you show in the movies like the main quest and then uh, you could maybe have like a cartoon on the side where it shows them as a team kind of doing like all the side quests that you wouldn't have time for in a movie. That's one thing I would like. And then they could do the original Knights of the Old Republic comics. I'd love that. Uh, Darth Bane, like, if they wanted to build some more Star Wars content about the Old Republic, I'd, I'd love that. And then one last question from Laurie. It says, what do you love about the Star Wars community? And I'll let you guys take that away first. It's a, it's a community. The Star Wars community is a passionate community. Um, it kind of gets the bad reputation of having so many people that complain and whine because things didn't go the way they want. But <laughs> but when you dive, you know, and, and, and of course it's true. There's maybe not many franchises that could draw so many upset people about the way things went because, but that's because people care, you know, when you really dive into it, they're upset that this happened because they felt an emotional connection with that story or that character. And you don't find that in just any universe. Like it's really a special thing to be so passionate about something. And then it really just comes down to the way you can relate to star Wars, I think. And, and so my, yeah, that's definitely my favorite thing about the community. Uh, It can kind of get twisted in a bad way sometimes, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone's passionate about what they love about star Wars. And I think a lot of that passion is one of my favorite parts about the star Wars community is how well informed everyone is. Yeah. I mean, like we were saying, star Wars, like isn't just a cinematic universe you know it's everything there's novelizations other books other comics there's so many things to do in the star wars world and people are so well informed about it and if you don't and not everyone is you know some people only watch the movies and etc but like there's so much opportunities for information that's so cool to me is that like you know if you want to immerse yourself in star wars you can get so immersed in star wars you can get All lost right. for months of just reading watching you can be so busy with star wars and so many people do and they're so passionate like cody was saying that they really want to learn all of this information so you can have crazy complex discussions that so many other fandoms you can't really even come close to and i think that's so cool that i guess like cody said people care enough to but also that people do learn this and there is that option to have all this in-depth studying and knowledge about the fandom yeah, I was like, I'd have to agree with just like the the passion of the Star Wars community. You know, if someone's a Star Wars fan, you can you can kind of talk about Star Wars, and you, I mean, you could go on for hours about anything, whether it's the Force or lightsaber combat or the different lore stories, or whatever. And like, it's always it's always like a positive experience just talking about like what you love. We've said passionate a lot, but I just love how passionate and creative all the fans are. 
And there's so many different kinds of people who love Star Wars. And if you're a Star Wars fan, like, you're a Star Wars fan. Like, I, I don't think, like, it's kind of, like, it's like an on or off switch, you know? It's like, you're either not or you are. And, like, if you are one, it's usually a really big driving force, you know? But for me, I, I love the Star Wars community and the Star Wars universe because it's a big universe and it's inspired by a whole lot, like, other movies, history, mythology, all that. I'm just glad that I've engaged, like, with the community. It's a fun community, I think. All right, now that we've kind of got the positivity going, let's dive down into the Siege of Mandalore. First off, we have this question from Big Tilt Podcast, and they ask, is Ahsoka the best example of an ideal Jedi? What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I love that question. I think the answer for me is probably yes. Right now, I think she might be one of, if not the best example of what a Jedi should be or supposed to be. Um, I also like Qui-Gon for that role, just because they really embody what a Jedi is supposed to be maybe less about the politics and the war more about you know not to say that they weren't somewhat involved in that but um, I, I've always hated when people try and call Ahsoka a gray Jedi and I, and Qui-Gon as well it's a uh, it's a term I don't like in general and and in canon you know really the term doesn't exist, doesn't exist um, and multiple high ups at Lucasfilm have said that Sorry, not to get on a tangent, but to me, Ahsoka doesn't fit the description of what a Grey Jedi would fit if if a Grey Jedi was a thing. And that's because she doesn't use the dark side in any way, shape, or form. Just because she doesn't adhere to the Jedi rules by leaving the Order, and, and same with Qui-Gon, you know, he kind of goes against the Council's recommendation on some things, um, even bringing Anakin to get trained and things like that. To me, that's what makes them, you know, what the Jedi should be. They're literally just trusting in the force and doing what they believe the force is telling them regardless of what rules the jedi order has and and uh they weren't getting caught up in the politics and the rules of it they just wanted to listen to what the light side of the force said not diving into the dark side at all you know disobeying doesn't mean you're gray and and following in the dark side um so yeah i think over time ahsoka does develop into definitely one of the best uh, examples of a jedi for sure yeah i totally I mean, not I won't get lost on the Grey Jedi tangent because that that's a whole long podcast <laughs> for me. Um, but I honestly don't think Ahsoka's the ideal Jedi, and that's not to take anything away from her. I do think she makes a lot of decisions that are motivated by what she should be doing and by trying to trust in the Force, which I think is like what Cody was saying. That's what a Jedi should be doing. They should be trying to trust in the Force. They should be doing the correct thing. They shouldn't be just caught up in politics. And that's an important distinction that, for the most part, she is able to alienate herself from kind of those pitfalls of some of the Je some of the members of the Jedi Order, specifically the Council members at this time. Though I do think she is just as much laden by pride and as a lot of the other Jedi members. Ahsoka and Obi Wan both have experience of like leaving the Jedi Order, and that's that is including Legends lore, and they do it for similar reasons of where the, the Jedi are not putting the greater needs first. They're kind of putting the Jedi's needs first. I like Obi-Wan's way of thinking of what is, is all a matter of perspective. And so like, is, is Ahsoka the best example of a, of a Jedi? Well, it depends on who's asking. Um, is, is this coming from like Yoda? Is this coming from Obi-Wan? Is this coming from Qui-Gon? And, like I, I personally think that Qui-Gon is the best example of an ideal Jedi because though though he disagrees with a lot of the what the Jedi is thinking, his intentions are like morally good. And so he, he disobeys the Jedi Council constantly, but 
he does it because there's a greater purpose. And at the same time, he doesn't turn his back on the Jedi. He always takes responsibility for all of his actions as a Jedi and uh, and just continues to like work with it the best he can. He knew that the Jedi were kind of lost and he knew that they were making some mistakes. And I think you can say Yoda even realizes that, but it's kind of hard to steer the ship the correct direction. But Qui-Gon did what he thought was right. And he might be my vote for the example of the perfect Jedi or the best Jedi because he he knew what's going wrong. He or he knew what was kind of wrong and he tried his best to always do what he knew was right, what the Force wanted him to do because he could control himself. Ahsoka reminds me of Qui-Gon the most after her Ahsoka's walkabout arc going into the Siege of Mandalore. Because I was watching an interview with George Lucas and the way he describes like what the Force is, it's kind of like the baseline going throughout all mythologies, religions, and philosophies, whether you adhere to them or not, they all kind of have a morality in them. So I kind of like what you're saying about the Force. She's going with, like, what she knows to be right for herself in the galaxy. So she's kind of going, like, with the, in the Star Wars galaxy, like, the will of the Force. So she's not, like, just going with, like, what the Senate needs or or any of that. She is trying to do what's best for the people living in the galaxy. I think if the Siege of Mandalore, if you remember when she joined, like, the Jedi teleconference, she was kind of giving hints that she could rejoin the Jedi Order and kind of felt comfortable with that. And I kind of just think if Anakin hadn't joined the dark side, she would have come back to the Order. And I'm guessing Yoda would have let that happen. And maybe she could have been teamed up again with Anakin. And maybe she could have been in the Jedi Order, but I think she's the ideal light side user in my mind. Depending on the time between when she had to leave to when she comes back, like I could see her still harboring a lot of negative feelings, especially to Obi-Wan, who's very like by the book, the, the Jedi Council is always right kind of attitude. But but yeah, if like enough time has passed, like the, the Jedi thing to do is to just kind of forgive and forget and uh and move on yeah if there was a lot of time between all that i would have liked to see her a bit softer especially to anakin who you know at this reunion was nothing but absolutely excited to see her again they they did have a good moment uh with the lightsabers uh but then it it was just interrupted but that's why you're just always pleasant and nice all the time no at least she warmed up with the uh 501st you know, with Rex and everybody like that, that was a really great reunion where they were, the clone army was excited to see her. They all painted their helmets out of respect to her. And that, that just made it even worse when the, uh, the order came out to execute all the Jedi of like how much they respected her to just light switch. No, thanks. I have one question about Maul from Redwood underscore theologian. And they ask, why can't Maul defeat Padawans in battle? That's relevant to me. Um, Maul defeating Padawans in battle. I think um, plot armor is definitely, <laughs> or plot anti-armor might be the, the correct terminology. But yeah, uh, Star Wars has been always so inconsistent on like who can fight really good and when they can't. Something that I thought of is that Darth Maul's relationship with the Emperor, like the, Darth Maul was the Emperor's kind of first Sith apprentice. And... Has, was always just kind of a disappointment to Sidious where he was just always looking for an opportunity to like replace Darth Maul. And he got that chance to replace him with Count Dooku, who is more or less, he was stronger at maybe politics, but maybe not as strong with like certain combat. And then finally the Emperor gets Anakin. But through all that, I think the Darth Maul just fell short of the Emperor's expectation. Maybe a lot of that had to do with how he was able to deal with the Jedi threat. Right. I mean, Obi-Wan, that dude loses so many fights and wins so many others. <laughs> like the toss of a hat. Like Dooku just wrecks him left and right. And then he just straight, like, evenly matches Anakin. Yeah. 
fights with Maul as a pad one really well. And then I don't know. It's it's confusing. Right. <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of that's, you know, it's hard to tell a story sometimes. And I think a lot of it just comes down to Maul's super prideful. And I think honestly don't think he should have lost the fight. I kind of just disagree with how that went <laughs> generally in Clone Wars. I thought that was kind of stupid. Well, especially since he just had to cut the yeah, like the bar, right? Like the beam. We know he's good at just waving his lightsaber angrily when he's pissed, anyways, right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It, it was kind of weird, but I'm sure it's plot armor, and I guess pride is probably your correct answer for Maul. Yeah, he. It's frustrating because I wish they would have handled that a little differently, at least visually. You could have made it look like more believable that he would have fallen. Like I said, once again, I don't know the answer, but. I do think they could have done something a little different so he didn't lose in such a lame way, you know. Yeah. But uh, it, it's a hard it's a hard question because, like you said, it, you know, obviously Maul's very powerful and, and it was a great fight all the way up to the end. I would have liked to maybe see uh, Ahsoka use some sort of trickery to capture him instead of just, like, the way it went down. But Do you think Maul losing to Obi-Wan or Maul losing to Ahsoka is more believable? So... The reason that I go with the Obi-Wan is just because there was a sort of element of surprise. Like, mm-hmm. Maul beat Obi-Wan. Uh, the only reason Obi-Wan won is because he had this trick up his sleeve where he grabbed Qui-Gon's lightsaber and was able to flip over him. Maul wasn't expecting that, right? So that's what I would like to see with Ahsoka, too. You know, some sort of element of surprise. I guess I was kind of more accepting of Ahsoka beating Maul. Because I remembered that Obi-Wan was kind of a mere Padawan when he first, quote-unquote, killed Darth Maul. Obi-Wan kind of did that, I think, through righteous anger, you know? And just kind of, Maul was kind of doing what Sith do and kind of getting full of themselves like Anakin would in uh, Revenge of the Sith. I think Maul thought he was kind of invincible and he's kind of toying with Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan was thinking and he's like Qui-Gon has a lightsaber there I can I can end this you know and then Ahsoka I think her leaving the Jedi Order for as long as she did it kind of opened her up to new ways of thinking and I think it led to a lot of growth in her as a person that's how I kind of see it so she's not just fighting like a Jedi of the prequel era right now she's kind of thinking of the whole spectrum of what she can do and i think it kind of unlocks different abilities for her to be able to do that did you guys have something to add i was saying like darth maul to to ahsoka was just another bad guy like there was no there was no like emotional tie to darth maul like obi-wan or anakin had because with obi-wan and anakin darth maul is the reason why Qui-Gon was killed and so both Obi-Wan and Anakin kind of shared this Jedi weakness of having to fight with this pent-up anger towards this um, individual where Ahsoka was able to approach Darth Maul with a clearer mind and so I think for that that battle to take place with Ahsoka and Darth Maul I thought was appropriate where it would have just been another just kind of like anger fight between like one of those other Jedi against him. Yeah, and I think her upbringing and training is, like, happening all throughout the Clone Wars, and she was apprenticed to the Chosen One. So her combat skills are going to be pretty solid, you know? And then I think for a lot of the fight, Maul was trying to win Ahsoka over. And then, of course, there is, you know, the characters live another day because Rebels came out first, you know? I, I kind of wonder what it would have been like if Clone Wars hadn't gotten canceled and we got all of the planned episodes out first. And then, like, going into this into this arc, we'd be like, what's going to happen? We don't know, you know? But Rebels came out first, so I don't know. Maybe Maul just doesn't have the ability to grow, and Ahsoka, I think she grew in some ways after she left the Jedi Order. That's how I see it. But... There wouldn't be a Clone Wars without clones, and Captain Rex was promoted to Commander Rex. Uh, what did you guys think of some of his big moments in this, in the Siege of Mandalore? Uh, for me, for me, the Clone Wars, just kind of like the heartbreaking moment, was kind of surprising for me, just because 
I mean, it was Order 66, and we knew it was going to be sad, and luckily, we didn't really see any of our heroes die, you know? I mean, we didn't have to watch all the Jedi die again, which is, avoided that bullet. Um, but we, for me, it was kind of surprising at the end of the, the finale when you get to see all the clone troopers' helmets, and it pans away, and you see Jesse's helmet. And I thought that was kind of crazy, just because they did bring Jesse back in a little bit more with the Mandalore arc, and we had seen him a little bit before but he was he just went through being tortured by maul and stuff and i guess soka you know really wanted to get him back and just like the idea i mean you you knew clones were gonna die and you knew the jedi were gonna die but you knew ahsoka and rex were gonna make it out but just to see that a lot of clones died and even jesse who was he was just a good trooper and then trying to do what's right obviously the inhibitor trip is not really his fault but just like that surprised me to see his helmet there and it was a clone that you recognized among all those others that kind of remained nameless. That was kind of heartbreaking to see, like, the the war really got everybody. Yeah, it made it more personal for him. For me, uh, obviously, the entirety of Order 66 is just heartbreaking in general. The fact that Ahsoka's troops are trying to kill her while having her face painted on their helmets. It's just absolutely daunting and sad. And, and the music within that entire episode... Um, but probably for me, the most heartbreaking part was Vader at the very end. And and first of all, just an incredibly cool thing that we got to see him and the stormtroopers in this style of animation. Absolutely beautiful. But when he picks up that saber and he keeps it, you have to you have to wonder what's going through his head. And one thing I really like that's shown in the Clone Wars is how unlike most Jedi commanders, Obi- both uh, Anakin and Ahsoka, encourage and allow humanizing of the clones. You know, the main 501st cast all have unique names and they have this special connection with their Jedi commanders. Whereas even even like Commander Cody and Obi-Wan and all these other commanders with their Jedi commanders, there's it's more of a transactional relationship where the Jedi doesn't really care if one of their clones dies they're just a numeric figure and so when order 66 comes out and the clones are tasked to execute their jedi commander it is it's just executing a number where with the 501st especially with like rex there is that little piece of hesitation that like he has this relationship with ahsoka and so I think that also aids with his hesitation to take the shot is because Ahsoka isn't just another number to him. It is like a friend that he's turning on. Commander Rex was given a unique opportunity to develop as an individual, probably out of the all of the clones. You're, he was paired with the most individualistic Jedi. You have Anakin and Ahsoka, and they respected and cared about him. Because I think... Anakin, I mean, it's a problem with him with the Jedi, is his attachments, but when you're kind of like part of a family like that, attachments kind of helped Rex turn him less into just a programmed soldier into someone who had an identity and was a person. And I was kind of worried about Rex, like, getting Order 66 and being like, I'm taking out my own ship right now, you know, and like, being like, I'm not gonna order execute Order 66 because I'm a cool main character. Like, I like that it was just that moment of hesitation, but then he just was gonna do it, you know? But then it's taken out. And I like that when Ahsoka was taking it out, she had to use the Force to figure out where it was. Like, they couldn't find it on the scanner, so she had to turn away from the technology and just kind of connect I just, I, I kind of appreciated that they had Rex, like, cry twice, like, when the Order 66 was first given, and when she took off his helmet, because, like, it was kind of tearing him apart to have to kill his brothers. And speaking of his brothers, the clones, at the Padawans asks, love to know what planet Ahsoka and Rex crash on. Going back through the Ahsoka novel to see if she mentions it, but hasn't found it yet. A planet with seasons is rare for Star Wars, huh? I think it's a moon. Did, did you guys see any mention of where it was? 
from what was shown in the TV show, the Venator was ripped out of hyperspace, right? So, I mean, it was, they were just out in the middle of deep space in one of the hyperspace lanes. And so it could have been anywhere, maybe somewhere that wasn't mapped, but it happened to be just a, a seasonal anomaly. I, I, I like the idea that maybe it was just a, they just happened to pop out of hyperspace close to orbit of just a major body. And then gravity just takes them in. Planets to seasons, I would love to see more of that in Star Wars rather than just one dominant biome all the time. So moral of the story is we're all frauds because we don't know. So legions underscore of underscore the underscore Sith asks, what moment did you feel the most heartbroken over in the finale of the uh, I'm trying to think how to say this. I don't know that he was hoping Ahsoka was alive or that he was hoping she was dead so that he wouldn't have to kill her himself. Oof. But I believe that seeing that saber triggered at him because he felt like this was maybe the last of his family that was alive because he doesn't believe his child made it. He, he knows Padme's dead. Ahsoka was probably the only person he hadn't received confirmation yet outside of Obi-Wan, I guess. Um, but but yeah, that ship had sailed. Doesn't think Obi Wan yeah. left him. <laughs> yeah, so he might have had some sort of hope in his mind that Ahsoka was there and or alive still out there. I don't know, but I think I think that that was a, a point for Vader, and that's why he kept the lightsaber was because it was a heartbreaking thing to realize. Hey, this is the last chance I had at anybody that I really care about and love being alive. I always kind of thought that because Jesse had the symbol of the Republic on his helmet, that he was going to die after executing Order 66 because he just represents, like, the fall of the Republic. And that ended up happening. So either I kind of guessed everything or maybe... I don't know. It's just sometimes I'm able to kind of call some things in store in stories uh, because that's kind of what I've gone into, it, like creatively. It was kind of just sad to see Jesse just kind of become kind of just a tool, like uh, a tool for like the Emperor's propaganda at the end. Like he kind of had his identity taken away. All of the clones had their identity taken away, even as they were wearing Ahsoka's, like, helmets in honor of Ahsoka. And just to see their graves, it, like, it, it really kind of messed me up. And I think I understood the ending. It's not about the Jedi or the Sith or the galaxy. The Clone Wars was about the clones, because, I mean, it's called the Clone Wars, and everything is broken, everything, and this is coming from a friend at Plo Koon's book club, and he says, it, the end, it's about everything, everything is broken, everything Anakin fought for is gone, the clones, the Jedi, the Republic, Ahsoka, that's why the last shot is so powerful, and you see Ahsoka leave her lightsaber there with the graves for the clones and then we don't know how much time passes and then vader finds finds ahsoka like the last token of ahsoka the blue lightsaber and he ignites the blue and then someone mentioned you can see like the blue eyes through the visor and then you see the morai the light side bird and it, it's just a haunting final shot, that helmet, as he walks away. The only person happy at the end of the Clone Wars is the Emperor. I think if we were expecting a happy ending with a nice little bow, we were mistaken. <laughs> when I watched the episode, I saw Darth Vader checking up on the crash site as kind of the Force Unleashed arc of um, Darth Vader, kind of playing cleanup of Order 66, of locating and destroying like the jedi that could have possibly gotten away from the execution order and then once i looked at a review or two then it then it became more clear that anakin was searching for these ties because anakin joins the dark side essentially to save the people that he loves and to protect them and just one by one he watched 
all those motivations of joining the dark side be ripped away from him and leaving him left to being nothing more than just a slave of the emperor from the point of seeing Ahsoka's kind of self-made grave. And then we have this question from at Star Wars Legends Facts, and he asks, do the two of you and Doctrine wish we had anything more in the series finale? Like, do you wish we saw Ahsoka and Rex actually go their separate ways or see where Maul went or actually see Rex meet up with Wolf and Gregor? Just anything you would have liked to see added to the finale. I think for both of us when we talked about it is the finale felt like we were missing something but it was also kind of hard to say what because you know finale it was done really really well it really was I mean I don't think I needed to see Ahsoka kind of go off with Rex just because I roughly know what happens and the Ahsoka novel does a good job filling in really any blanks for me I do think there's kind of the concept of like order 66 what it did to everyone that would have been interesting maybe like how is it going to affect us affect ahsoka and rex like you know is ahsoka gonna meditate or is she gonna get like the message from obi-wan kenobi saying like hey (laughs) things went bad guys go into hiding you know like i think that would have been the real something something that more like kind of captured how order 66 impacted them besides just like the ultimate original escape i guess i yeah personally would have loved to see ahsoka like doing something like trying to reach out to some other jedi i don't necessarily know who but even if she was trying to reach out to Anakin or something... That would have been sad. She like, calls know. Anakin up. Hey, where are you, buddy? <sighs> She's like, why does your voice sound so much deeper now? Are you are you on a breathing machine? No, but, um, you know, just some sort of her trying to reach out. Because the fact that she wasn't a Jedi, she probably didn't get the original transcript to come return to the temple, you know? Mm, that was like... Point. It was like, return to the temple, the war's over. She probably didn't receive that like other Jedi did and fall into that trap. So... Just makes you wonder, and we know she didn't know. She didn't know Obi Wan was alive. We know she didn't know. (laughs) Anyways, but yeah, so I would have loved to see something like that. I would have also liked to see Rex and her go the separate ways, like give a hug or something. I would have been, yeah, I would have been interested. You know, the conversations like, "Hey, we we got to separate. It's too risky." Or also, Rex say something like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go see if I can find any other defective clones. Like if anyone else defected or." Mm-hmm. anything like that because obviously he runs into gregor and wolf and it'd be nice to see how that all happens sure um, that would have been would have been interesting to see like hey did you kill your jedi i didn't <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly and then maul obviously he jumps into hyperspace and it would be interesting to see where he goes next you know maybe dothamir or or wherever he goes you know he's got his little hideout maybe he goes and meets up with some of the his crimson uh, dawn buddies yeah his crimson dawn all the syndicates shadow collective all those guys and kind of makes a plan for what they're going to do next so yeah i'd be interested to see where he kind of went and tie that into what comes next for him but outside of that you know it, it really was a good fulfilling finale for the most part i didn't need to see ahsoka and rex go their separate ways and i didn't need to see rex meet up with wolf and gregor because I kind of knew that already happened, so I didn't need too neat and tidy of an ending. Because I think with the ending of the Clone Wars, it's kind of just more of a bitter ending. With Revenge of the Sith, you had probably one of the darkest endings in a lot of movies, but especially the darkest, I think, for, for the Star Wars saga. But... In that they had to end with a bit of hope. They give you the twins going to their new homes. And then it ends with Luke being delivered to his aunt and uncle and them looking at the binary sunset. I almost kind of thought we were going to get a binary sunset. But then I kind of realized that's like, that's for the Skywalkers. I don't think that would have quite fit the Clone Wars ending because i think they're just trying to show that it was kind of all for nothing what happened and ahsoka lost kind of everything rex lost his his brothers and maul got away but i think like if she would have just tried to reach out on the force and just tell rex i think i think anakin's dead that would have been a nice thing to see when the season was starting out and we knew it was only going to be 
you know, so many episodes and we watched like the first eight of being the the bad batch and then also the kind of the ahsoka and and sisters kind of like walk around arc i would have liked to see one i think it was just a missed opportunity to just not have more episodes we're, we're used to these clone Wars seasons being 20 24 episodes long and not like 12 episodes some things that i would have loved to see in this season was the formation of the rebellion because every every season does a great job of like telling the different stories around the main conflict that obi-wan and anakin are like involved with they take some time to touch on what Padme's doing what you know the the lesser important episodes of like what the droids are doing one thing that i thought was missing was i would have loved to see the the conversations leading up to the formation of the rebellion because in in revenge of the sith we know that padme starts to conspire with a couple of her close senate friends of Belogana and Mon Mothma. You would think that that opening of a rebellion would have been so tense to try and find out who they could trust in the Senate to back up this idea of like seceding from the the Republic turned Empire to fight against it. I thought that would have been a really great arc to explore. Here is a fun question from Schrader on Instagram. Who else survived Order 66? Does Ahsoka know Obi-Wan is alive? Ahsoka's relationship with Obi-Wan, I don't think she would have like made the attempt to to go searching for Obi-Wan. I think it would be more likely had she went looking for Anakin. At the same time, like this this whole thing, and it's it's a little bit explained by Rex, is that this whole thing was kind of schemed by the Emperor and both Anakin and Obi-Wan, at least with Ahsoka's relationship with them, were very close to supporting the Emperor. And for her to reach out after that big of an incident, it would make more sense that she blamed Anakin and Obi-Wan for not seeing this coming because of how much they supported Palpatine. That's an interesting take. So Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, it's been confirmed that they didn't know the other was alive. And I think if she would have, like, gone to the Jedi Temple or seen that, the Obi-Wan hologram, I guess, she would have known not to come back to the Jedi Temple and that something went down for all the Jedi and that they needed to go into hiding. But I would say, like, the the Jedi that survived Order 66, it seems like mostly Padawans or, like, you know, like you mentioned, Luminara, Obi-Wan and Yoda, but Ahsoka does not know. Because I think if Ahsoka, if she knew Obi-Wan were around, she'd be like, why are you on Tatooine? And then he'd be like, uh, Jedi business, you know? And then she'd be like, who is this kid? Who is this kid, Luke Skywalker? What? Oh my gosh, he had kids. What is, what's going on? You're not telling me. And then Obi-Wan would be like, oh, well... Or he'd be like, well, you know, Anakin is now Darth Vader, blah, blah, blah. And then if she kind of knew what was going on with Obi-Wan, a.k.a. Ben, she would have kind of been around, I think, for the original trilogy. So I think that's them writing her out of it, in a way. Even though she wasn't written to begin with, you know, until after the original trilogy. Do you guys think we will see the characters of Ahsoka, Rex, and Maul more in the future do you think there will be like an interlude between the clone wars and rebels or maybe maybe something different for me when i when i read that tweet yeah it was a pretty surprising tweet and especially the way it was worded but for me when i read it i took it more as um you know we're, we're gonna work on more cartoon projects less than i took it as they're gonna be specifically working on a clone wars project just because they've advertised this season as the final clone wars season doesn't mean that they couldn't you know retract from that obviously they've done that before yeah star wars <laughs> has obviously gone back on you know their ideas and plans many times three finales though? right yeah so so yeah so of course it would always be fun but i i think i'm ready for something new something like We've talked about some of the other options in in a, in a Rebels spinoff series. We have the potential of seeing Darth Maul again with the Obi-Wan series in development because there's, there is still this one last, like, last stand between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan that 
could potentially be part of this Obi-Wan TV show or this Obi-Wan series, whatever it's going to be. And we might see that. We might not. But I think that would be the best chance to see Mulligan other than what, what you're saying, a solo sequel. It's I'd say that the solo sequel is less likely because of Disney kind of sabotaging the release with the release of Avengers and just kind of saying, oh, I guess it's not popular when it was people were choosing between seeing one or the other. It's possible to see Darth Maul again. Uh, we are going to see Ahsoka again. Rex, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I'd see Rex as the least likely of, of that list there. For Ahsoka, I think we'll definitely see her in The Mandalorian. People keep on throwing the idea of a Rebels sequel series around. I think if Ahsoka is showing up for those, Rex will at least be mentioned or maybe appear. Maul, I definitely think he'll be mentioned or appear in the Kenobi series if that actually gets made. <laughs> uh, they're just kind of running into some problems right now. But there's also been some hints uh, from Ray Park that Maul might be in The Mandalorian. I kind of wonder, we do see Maul die in Rebels, but I kind of wonder if he is going to stay dead? Because, like, when Maul kind of reaches out to Ahsoka in the Siege of Mandalore arc, I think they're kind of like, each of them is like a side of a coin, because they're kind of like the the Phantom Apprentices of Anakin and Sidious, respectively. And they're kind of like the light and dark side. So I just wonder if we're going to see that explored at all. Because maybe Yoda needs to find out about the Force. And maybe Ahsoka's going to give him a lesson. And maybe Maul would appear as like a dark side apparition. I don't know. Even though that's technically not how the dark side is supposed to work. But it would be interesting. So no, I didn't take it to me as, as being more Clone Wars that's coming. I took it more as just more animation projects. But they've been very successful with their animation products and projects. And I'm sure whatever they decide to do, it'll be fun and interesting. Um, I, I, whatever they do, I'm going to watch it. you know. And if they decide they want to put more Clone Wars out, of course I'm going to watch it. So uh, whatever they decide to do, I guess uh, I'll be a fan of. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean pretty much the exact same for me is if you say hey here's more clone wars i'll be like all right cool and i'll watch it but i do think that we've kind of successfully explored these this time enough there's so much kind of material those arcs are basically all handled through comics already yeah um not that it wouldn't i mean the son of dothmere comic is amazing so i mean sure i'd watch it too but i do think i kind of would want to rather move on from the clone wars but I definitely don't want their animation department to stop, even with the excitement. I'd have to agree because I mean, if if Darth Maul shows up in the flesh for for the Mandalorian, like at that point, it's going to be like Darth Maul RoboCop. Like he's going to be sliced up so many times that there's going to be like nothing left of him. I kind of think it would be interesting if he appeared as a vision of just kind of like what ahsoka saw as the dark side but maybe she would probably be more connected to if she were to imagine the dark side it would probably be darth vader because that's like the dark version of her master but it would be really really cool to see the siege of mandalore as a as a flashback because that would be the connection who is the mandalorian if not connected in a way, to Mandalore and Ahsoka, that is her connection. Schrader also had a question, where is the Darksaber? Did you guys know where it was? Because I think, like, last in Clone Wars, uh, he dropped it when he was confronted by Sidious on Dathomir. But the Darksaber, it does eventually end up uh, with Sabine Wren in Rebels and then uh, Moff Gideon in Mandalorian, but... I just kind of like that the Darksaber made it to live action, and it's just a fascinating weapon because you don't have to be a Force user to wield it, you know? And it just has that connection. It's that intersection between Jedi and Mandalorian, 
in a way, I kind of see it as like a little bit of an Excalibur in Star Wars. It, it just is always changing hands, and that's interesting. Before we move on to our final topic, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. was watching season seven of the clone wars this tweet from gianni aliotti came out on april 17th of this year and he said glad to see so much love for our work in the clone wars again keep loving them and we'll keep making more smiley face and fear not we at lucasfilm animation are still going strong even during covid19 i don't know what that means but I know that there are 31 episodes that have been planned, but they haven't been animated. So if anyone at Lucasfilm is wanting us to say we want more Clone Wars, like, I would say take those episodes and I would love to see them finished because I, I think that would be awesome. Some of the arcs were turned into books, like The Dark Disciple, which finishes Asajj Ventress's arc, and then you have Son of Dathmir, which kind of covers where Darth Maul went, what he was doing between seasons five and seven of the Clone Wars. I'd kind of like to see those. Would you guys like to see more Clone Wars, and do you think it's a possibility? I would have rather just have the season spread out over 20, 25 episodes. And uh, it, especially because they're only like 20 minutes long, it would have allowed a little bit more depth to be covered on what was discussed here. It would have allowed more to be reviewed as far as what else is going on. And I thought it would have helped wrap up this final season of Clone Wars instead of just this 12-episode arc that gave us three storylines. And I, I think I'd agree. I'd rather just see something else. Uh, like, I, I, love, I love the Clone Wars, but I'm kind of, like, I'm satisfied with just having an end here. And let's, uh, let's look at something else and, and not kind of have what, how I kind of felt the sequel trilogy was with the saga of just kind of having, like, a, a revisit to a similar wrap-up to what we've already experienced. I, I can see that. I guess I would never complain to have more Clone Wars. And maybe if they could just become canon in a in another way. Like maybe it could just be like a comic or something. But just to have those threads of those stories kind of tied. And that would be kind of cool. But I am open to the future because I think the animation department at Lucasfilm is knocking out of the park. So... I would love to see more video games. So, like these these LucasArts writers and and animators being involved with the like the production of more Jedi Fallen Order was was a pretty fun game, and Battlefront Two ended up becoming a, a good game. It had a rocky start, and I guess it had its last update, but it became a very solid game. And Jedi Fallen Order just got a an update and. I'm pretty sure we're getting a Jedi Fallen Order sequel, and eventually down the line, I think we'll get a Battlefront 3. And I think they're, they'll only continue to keep working on Star Wars games in the future. So I think the future looks good. Before we wrap up, uh, where can you know our listeners find you guys? So having good Star Wars discussions is what we love to do, whether it's on our Instagram and Facebook pages or Twitter page, which we're super inactive on, but... Um, <laughs> Or our Twitch gaming stream where we stream live basically Monday through Friday and have good Star Wars discussions while playing good Star Wars games. Or our YouTube where we do our podcast. It's also available on Spotify, Apple, Podcast Room, any podcasting media really. But that's what we do is we discuss Star Wars. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for coming on to our podcast. It's been a 
great experience and you guys you guys are awesome so happy revenge of the fifth and tomorrow i guess it that's revenge of the sixth or something or is it revenge again i don't i don't know so you can never have too much revenge yeah it's yeah. been it's been great this has been cassia and this has been coden and you can find us on instagram at ebonhawk podcast and then you can email us your comments and questions at ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com um, and then if you want to follow up with some uh, various twitch game streaming uh, you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash conabon Typically, that's like Thursday evenings, 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time is usually when I'm streaming. And then our podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, all the casts, Radio Public, and SoundCloud at The Ebon Hawk. We are always grateful for subscriptions and reviews. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Schurman. He can be found at Alistair sounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds and our transition music was composed by Christian Walker. He can be found at christianwalkermusic.com This has been episode 2187 of the Ebon Hawk. May the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.